listening to the Hometown Losers, the St. Louis Sports Podcast, with Josh, Adam, and OJ. Hey, everybody. Welcome back here to the Hometown Losers Podcast. This is session number 41. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and OJ and Adam. Adam, excuse me. <laughs> Gentlemen, how are we doing Adam. now in episode two of season two? Atom. Dose, dose. <laughs> dose Excellent. 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 <laughs> doing great. <laughs> I could never yeah. roll my R's. Great. Which is, it, it's so, it, and OJ, and let's talk about that just for a split second. With your mom being a Spanish teacher for years and years and years, how does she not teach you how to rule the R's the correct way, right? I think it's just like <laughs> something you do. It's like, oh, yeah. You're like, like, it 100% is. Like, you can't teach <laughs> yeah, somebody to roll their tongue. You know what I mean? Like, it's a yeah, genetic no. thing almost. Like. You're 100% right. Because I had some issues with French too. And it's like, you know, croissant, and so like, I like a croissant. Like instead of roll my tongue, and like croissant. just to have the dialect right, it still sounds like crap. Croissant. You know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'll be sure to emphasize my R's throughout the entire episode. <laughs> like in South All Park, right. fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I misinterpreted the rules. Anyways, no, no, uh, no, <laughs> spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, let's uh, let's jump into it here. Let's talk about some blues. So, quick update: um, they are now 13, 11, and one for 27 points. So, since the last week when we talked, they have gone uh, two and two. Wait, no, right? Is that correct or am I wrong? They have gone two and two. Yeah. Um, they are now they... fifth in the sit. Go ahead, Adam. Well, I good. yeah, I was gonna say because I they beat Vegas and then and they lost mm-hmm. to Vegas. Uh, yeah, I think that they ended yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah, it's all good. But yeah, you were saying the standings currently were fifth. I think at least right. Yes. So we're in fifth in the Central. We're seven points behind the Avs. We were last week when we talked we were fourth, but the Yotes have moved in front of us. We are now in the second wild card spot and one point behind those Yotes that I talked about who are in the first wild card spot. Um, we are in eighth uh, in the West now, and I believe before we were in the seventh, so not really that drop yeah. uh, far behind. Again, it's moving up. We're still tw- we are now twelve points behind Vegas instead of the three, even though we won against them. Uh, yeah, and we are now seventeenth in the NHL um, instead of fifteenth, which we had, and we're still twelve points behind Vegas, who is the number one team right now currently in the NHL. So it's been. That same yeah. thing that we've been talking about pretty much all season long for the Blues, it feels like they're obviously they're slightly above 500, but in reality, you look at 13, 11, and one overtime loss is really 13 and 12, right? You just get the extra right. point, so it's kind of a 500 team. Yeah. So, you know, before I get into like the really only slightly topic I have for the Blues, um, OJ, yeah, exactly, one game above a 500. OJ, you're correctly right. Uh, so before I get into like the last, like the one subject I really wanted to talk about with with the Blues here. OJ, what was your thoughts of the Blues this past week? Did you see something that, like, is the kind of the same feeling for you? Or are you kind of feeling like, okay, this could be a turning point? You know, what's your kind of opinion looking at it? Well, honestly, like, the main things that have jumped out to me so far, like, basically, I've liked Jordan Cairo continuing to play a good game. Like, he seems like mm-hmm. he's all over the ice most nights. So, like, he's doing what he needs to do. He's he had a, a filthy, filthy, filthy goal last night. Uh, which if which I went back and watched after you texted me, OJ, it. Oh, <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yeah, that was, was that was a class. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then there's uh, there's a uh, Jake Neighbors who's like now the leading goal scorer on the team because you know we all called that at the beginning of the season. Right. <laughs> so. You've got this big dude that's super young still. What He's like, what, 21, 22? Something like that. So big guy, very young, plays center, plays a good all-around game, and now he's, like, putting the puck in the back of the net like a legitimate goal scorer. Like, that's – it's kind of like a Tage Thompson kind of development, you know? Obviously, it hasn't right. continued on, but – it's that kind of thing where you have this guy you thought might be good. He's kind of like big, like Tage Thompson too. Like, yeah, I don't know. Pretty. Uh, well, those are 
very encouraging signs to me. Interesting tidbit, just in case if no one knew, there's only two players under the age of 22 currently leading their teams in goals. Let me take a guess. Number one, <laughs> Connor Bedard, and number two is Jake Neighbors. Jesus. There you go. There you go. Uh, Interesting yeah, tidbit. See, we didn't even fucking need that shit. <laughs> Connor who? Chicago needs the NHL giving them all the help they can get, dude. We just fucking do it. <laughs> Fuck Chicago. There you go. I, <laughs> We're bringing it back. Fuck uh, Chicago, indeed. Anyways, uh, you know, Adam, what was your thoughts so far on uh, since last week? Have you seen improvements in a certain area? Are you kind of concerned about a certain yeah. aspect of the game? What was your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's you know, once again, it's the consistency factor for me, for sure. Um, you know, we're they're performing actually. I'll say as a whole, I think they're above my expectations overall in this season. I was, I guess because my, my, I was not expecting to, to hit, you know, like be playing 500 at this point and at this time, you just with what we saw last year, but I think overall they are exceeding those expectations. They are, you know, actually working more cohesively as a team. Uh, and we are starting to see, you know, to OJ's point, you know, those younger players like Jake neighbors that are, uh, you know, coming out and, and shining right now, which is great to see, you know, that our future yeah. might be a little bit bright. So, uh, but the consistency is key for sure. And that's yeah. something I think we have to continue to work on going forward. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, that's kind of the next step, I guess. I also want to, I don't want to forget to mention, like I should say Colton Pareko has been amazing this yeah. year. So, you know, that's solid. something yep. I can't stop saying. Jordan Bennington's been great. Of course, that goes yeah, hand he in really has. overall defensive game becoming much better than last season. Like, I think it's kind of starting to come together a little bit. Like they definitely have the ingredients there. Uh, I think maybe they're missing something still. But you can kind of see the pl- them play more fluidly and more smoothly and stuff. Like they've looked good against in these last two games against Vegas, the best team in the country, supposedly. Right. They yeah. looked good. Yeah. I mean, part of the reason they lost last night, I mean, they did have, you know, they shot themselves in the foot with penalties. You could argue the refs maybe hosed them a little bit too later in the game, but, uh, you know. <clears throat> They all, they also looked like a way better team than Vegas throughout the first period. Like that's what I mean. That's when Jordan Kyra has filthy goal. Jake Neighbors, Jake Neighbors walked one in too. Like it wasn't as filthy as Kyra's, but it was like it's like if you're playing NHL on a really low difficulty and you just don't respect the defender's ability at all, and you're like, I'm just gonna skate right up past you and then just put it in the back of the net. <laughs> A high confidence play. I really liked seeing it from him. Yeah, really. Uh, last night's game, there's like I, I think eight penalties. I'm counting here, and that yeah. really turned into two goals. Really. So yeah. honestly, the Blues really should have probably won that game with the East. Really, but there was yeah, a lot well, of penalties. They, they need to you know, cut that, down those, on the that penalties. Cost them. Yeah. Yeah, they need to cut down on the penalties. I know there was like there was a pretty blatant too many men by Vegas that didn't get called right after they had called mm-hmm. one on us. You know, it's one of those kind of games where it's like kind of feels like the NHL is trying to tilt it one way, maybe a little bit, you know, but mm-hmm. uh, no, I mean, overall, I, I really like where they are compared to where I thought they would be. Like when I watch them now, I see a hockey team that's fun to watch and they look like they can they have the potential to be pretty good. Definitely. So, and I think OJ, what it reminds me of watching them, it reminds me of like the early days. I think they're a little bit better uh, or really kind of on the same part, but like the early days of when we drafted uh, OJ, uh, TJ Oshi and David Backus and David Perron, not necessarily to the, the hype level of that, or does it feel like we have that deep uh, of like young, uh, young talent, like the, the depth isn't there. That's what it feels like the hopeful optimism that you have when you watch a team going, okay, you know what? If they lose, we were expected to lose probably, but they're winning some games. Okay, cool. I feel good about that. You look at the 500, you go, well, they're actually really, they're keeping up with some of the teams. They're, are they going to win the West? No, they're not going to win West, but they might be able to sneak into the playoffs, right? So I think that, you know, as you, Adam, as you pointed out as well too, the young guys stepping up, I think has really changed 
my dark cloud surrounding the blues and has, you know, kind sure. of made it a little bit clearer for me and, and a little bit more hope, right? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely more. <laughs> I feel a lot more encouraged, like I was saying. It was above average whenever I was, you know, going into the season. So, um, yeah, they're exceeding my expectations. Like, if I were to look at, you know, like on my scale of, you know, sports that I regularly watch, uh, and especially local sports and whatnot, they would certainly be on my, uh, on my, on my scale of one to watch per se, because they are, you know, they're performing better than, than I definitely expected. Right. Well, and it's interesting too, OJ, you brought up, uh, something I'm going to go back to that now. Whereas, you know, we're just kind of missing that something, right? So that comes to the question I had for you guys here, whether at the trade deadline, we're going to be buyers or sellers, right? Now, the trade deadline is March 8th this year, so that's still 92 days away, but it is somewhat fast approaching, right? You only have three months, essentially, to figure out what is this team? Um, Is this going to be a team that's going to contend in the West, or is this a team that could, you know... Get, you know, get into that like last wild card spot and then flame out, or is this a team that's just going to end up kind of crashing down to earth? And I think that's kind of what everybody in the Blues organization is going to have to decide. But you hopefully right. have a plan going up to the trade deadline at least a month ahead of time. So you kind of have like now, really, that 92 days from the trade deadline is more around like 60 days to me because you know it might not be a clear picture what you want to do at the deadline. Deadline, but I think you need to have that plan of action going into the month before it. Right. So, you know, Adam, I'll start with you on this one. Do you believe the blues are going to be buyers or or sellers, excuse me, at the deadline? Well, I think it really depends because you made a good point, whether we actually make the playoffs or we don't. Right. So Mm -hmm. if we don't, I say we're definitely should be looking at, you know, uh, in my opinion, being sellers for sure. Um, if especially on some of these heavier contracts in the defense, absolutely. Maybe. If, but yeah. perhaps if we actually do squeak in, uh, depending on, I mean, Doug, you know, obviously Armstrong is going to have to look at the value of what he can bring in, you know, for some of these guys, and he may be able to hang on to a few of them, and it might be worth it if there's something that he feels is worth it at the end of the at the end of the day, you know, um, I think. You know, Verana, Verana, for example, you know, he was once a really promising scorer, but I think he's struggling this season and he's definitely raising some speculation about a possible trade I've been seeing, you know, um, mm-hmm. and I know I'm looking here at Scandella. He is an expiring contract and that could be a valuable option for, you know, playoff contenders as well. Um, you know, there's a few others, obviously, Tory Krug, Justin Falk, both very high defensemen and we could definitely see their names in trade talks you know especially um yeah i think around those guys i would say would be who i would be focusing on especially if we're trying to offload some of these bigger contracts and we're not to the point where we can actually you know land a, a playoff spot in my opinion right and that's kind of somewhat what I felt as well. But before I kind of get to that, you know, OJ, what, what's your opinion here? Do you believe the Blues will be sellers or do you think they're going to be buying at the trade deadline? So honestly, right now, I think neither. I mean, they could maybe if they go on a run, they try and be buyers. But no, I don't think so. I don't think they're going to they're going to sell any prospects. I think they're pretty committed to bringing their you know, anyone who they would trade from their prospect pool is they're committed to bringing them up to the NHL, I think, at some point. So right. I really see more, even if they're like doing well, I could see like a, more of a hockey trade, like with Verona, like uh, Adam was saying, because uh, he kind of has been in Chiefs doghouse quite a lot of the year mm-hmm. so far. And he kind of seems to be like that Mike Hoffman player that just is able to float and put the puck in the back of the net. And so, like, he would have value to a specific team, you know, maybe a loaded team. Yeah, and he's team. a UFA next year anyway, so, you know. Exactly. So you, maybe you look for a lo- team that's already pretty loaded and needs some finishing touch, especially if maybe somebody gets injured or something like that. You call them up, you see what you can get for them, and then you make the swap. Because I don't think he, – he just hasn't shown that he's able to adapt to the style we need him to play. So – that's one I could definitely see happening. 
Uh, and then when yeah, you're okay you with could, parting with too, you know, for the right. Yeah, price. exactly. Especially That's the performances here for sure. Right. I wouldn't yeah. consider that really selling or buying just, he's not really useful to us right now. And so if we can get some useful piece for him, that would be good. Um, and then the other thing is like, yeah, if you could deal one of your aging expensive defensemen, I assume you would, even though they've actually been pretty good as a unit this year. Um, but yeah, and that's whenever I start looking at like Scandella, for example, because he is aging and he is coming up at the end of his contract as well, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Scandella definitely is one uh, if you're gonna like sell off for sure. Um, so yeah, if they're running bad, maybe they would try and trade him. He probably would have, like I said, all these guys you could probably find some kind of trade partner for. You may have to retain some salary, but. <clears throat> The way the unit's been playing this year, they probably have enough good-looking tape that maybe somebody would take a flyer on them. But, I mean, that crude contract is long, <laughs> I think. Still, yeah, so. gonna, yeah, all the yeah, way until, like, be, 27 or 28, I think. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I don't know you're going to find too many people thrilled for that. But, I don't know. He said he wanted to be part of the solution here. So, yeah, yeah I respect that. I respect his refusal to give up. And, I mean, he has seemed to have elevated his game somewhat this year, even though he still makes some boneheaded plays with the puck at times. Yes, he does. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll keep mine simple and short because you guys kind of touched all the points that I had, right? I mean, I, I believe that the Blues, unless they find themselves at, like, that number three, so even past a wild card to me, like, they're, okay, we are making the playoffs at this point in time. We're not hanging on to the last week. Um they're either going to be sellers or they're just not going to do anything at the trade deadline. Right. Um, I think that OG brought yeah. up, you know, the, the, if it makes sense, a hundred percent, like Ibarana, you know, okay, cool. He's not really adding thing, anything to this team. I mean, technically you're selling at that point, but you're not really losing too much. So it's not like we're offloading Bennington and stuff like that. Right. So well, selling um, is selling, trading away all your best players for prospects, basically. And buying is the in, the reverse of that or the inverse of that, however you want to use it. I don't know. So to me, uh, yeah. trading Verano for like a piece of equal value is essentially just a hockey trade. You know, it's not really either. Yeah. So I see what I see what you're saying in your interpretation of it. But I mean, I'm kind of with you, though, like unless unless we are doing something really bad or really good. I don't see us really doing too much on the the trade deadline. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I well, mean, think about it like this: you might trade Verano for another forward, like that plays more of a blue collar type game. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh, when they got what Daylor Rose or whatever back in the day. <laughs> that wasn't a great yeah. trade for him, but but I mean, you had no room for Fabry at that point. So my point is, yeah. maybe you get yourself a, a useful bottom six guy, since Verano's not able to get on the ice first right now you know that's all right yeah well let's uh transition here to the second topic that we got to talk about i think it's one of the more major topics definitely that's going on in the world of sports right now and that is college football um so i'll go through the rankings with you guys uh real quick um and i actually before i even get to the rankings uh i want to keep in mind too that these are not the final rankings i've actually been talked about that or asked that question um, it, or are these the final rankings uh, for the season? They are not. They will obviously continue after each bowl game um, and after each week until the national title happens. And at that point, after the national titles, they'll release one more. Um, that will be uh, a good starting point for next year. So Mizzou, which is currently ninth, um, could eventually move up as well. So anyways, uh, number one team is Michigan. Number two is Washington. Three, Texas. Four, Alabama. Five, Florida State. Six, Georgia. Uh, seven is Ohio State. Eight is Oregon. Us, again, Mizzou at nine. And then Penn State at ten. Um, real quick, before we get into any of this stuff here and we look at the CFP and um, anything like that, was there really any huge surprises um, to you guys? You know, OJ, I'll start with you when it, when it came to that. Um, I definitely want to talk about Florida State and, you know, whether they should have got in a little bit later on. But, like, were you surprised that, uh, you know, Georgia fell so low at six? Yeah, I was. I mean, I I really think Georgia was the best team in the country at the time. And Bama beating them, mm-hmm. you know, vaults them up, sure. But it was close on a neutral site. 
It was literally yeah. a three-point loss on neutral site to the new number one. Uh, what did they put Bama at? Uh, two or three? Or four. 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 Okay, whatever. Three-point loss mm-hmm. to number four when you've been undefeated all year, ranked number one, haven't lost in like three years or whatever. Yeah, two and a half years. It's like, so. uh, yeah, it's basically, uh, I don't know, it, maybe it's a little too far to drop them down. I mean, they kind of had to drop them down a little bit to keep them out of the playoffs, though, but I don't know. I agree with you that I, I thought this was, and again, we'll get into, um, you know, more around what we thought maybe the rate should have been when we get to talking about Florida State specifically, but I really didn't think that Georgia is now all of a sudden – the sixth team in the nation. They lost to a good Alabama team that lost to one team this season, which was Texas. You know what I mean? So like, it, it, I, I don't understand how the team lo- loses one game, in two and a half years. And you and all of a sudden they're the sixth in the nation. And now they don't get a chance to, you know, back up their, their throne, but okay, whatever. That's fine. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that means. Yeah. So the college football playoffs. They would have been better uh, off have, not playing the, I was saying they might would have been better off not playing the championship. Game, not huh? playing the SEC. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, well, um, so the two for me, go on. Yeah. For that. I just wanted to chime in. I think that the problem is like from, from my perspective, because obviously I, I haven't been watching a lot of this, you know, at least in the past. And I understand the process as much as you guys, obviously, you know, but for me, this is what I was telling Josh earlier today. For me, it's about the like the transparency and the consistency of that selection process to me seems very unfair looking just mm-hmm. as an outsider kind of looking at this. And that's one of the reasons why I am not a particularly a fan of this at all. Like, I think it needs some yeah. revamping. That's just my general opinion. Sure. Like I said, this is a, as an outsider <laughs> looking in per se as, you know, not understanding the ins and the outs. But for me, it seems very unfair about their decisions. Yeah, and actually, so you know what? What we'll do? We'll talk about the college football playoffs, the two games here in just a second. Let's go ahead. Let's go ahead. I love that you say that. Yeah, I agree. Let's go ahead and just talk about Florida State and like the process itself, Adam. Right? Because yeah, you know, to a guy that doesn't watch a lot of college football, obviously Mizzou's resurgence this year really helped you, like, kind of watch it more, understand a little bit more, and stuff like that. You know, this feels like completely arbitrary, right? It it doesn't make any sense. It's up to like people's discretion of what they think is the better team. Like I'm, I'm kind of with you. I keep hearing over and over. Well, these are the the games that people want to see. It shouldn't matter at that point, right? I don't give a shit that TCU lost in the Georgia by seven touchdowns last year. I don't give a shit. TCU earned it. They beat Michigan that, the week before. That's what I just yeah. – it, it blows my mind. I, I, I That's the part where it just I, – I just can't wrap my head around it. That's all, you know? Yeah. You have Florida State that is a Power 5 champion that beat LSU this year um, that – obviously, they didn't – they only beat three ranked opponents, right? But it doesn't matter. They went undefeated. Yeah. They won the ACC – and they beat number 14, I think, Louisville in the ACC championship. I don't care if they're right on their third yeah. string quarterback or not. It does not matter. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there, there's what the resume says, and then there's reality also, though. So that's sure. the other side of things. Uh, like, I personally don't think Florida State ever should have been ranked in the top four. I don't think they played a tough enough schedule. And a lot of that's because I think Louisville's a major fraud, too. Like, if you look at the ACC and a lot of these pack teams and stuff, they don't play anybody. They What happens is they play somebody that's ranked high because they're a big name. It turns out that team's shit. But they play them early in the season. They beat them. And then now we're ranked high. You know, then that team loses a bunch more games and finishes the season completely unranked. <laughs> USC. <laughs> And, but you still get all that credit for beating them earlier in the year, you know. <laughs> and, and the other part of it too, and, and Josh, I think you made this point to me earlier today when we were talking about this, is that some of these rankings, the preference, at least from my understanding, is the preference is made whenever they're wanting good matchups as well. You know, like they're, I like they're they're trying to like set the stage, so to speak. That's not supposed to be how it is, dude. But I'm just yeah. saying though, like that. But the the fact that that's like is in the back of their head and yeah, they're no. doing that is really fucked up. You no, know what I mean? I like agree. you're, yeah. it's fixed, you know? 
So if we talk about the, we talk so about easily. We, we literally talk about all the, all the time, oh, the NFL is fixed, it's scripted, blah, 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 blah. But I'm like, dude, this yeah. is the most scripted shit I've, I've ever seen. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the most scripted shit would have been keeping Georgia in, too. Well, valid. Georgia but I'm, I'm just saying, though, <laughs> the, this, the, the overall process of how this is and the, the perception of how this is, it just seems very – like. Uh, Listen, I'm I'm in scripted. a complete minority here. <laughs> That's all. I'm in a complete minority here. I believe the number one team by these rankings, the number one team in the nation should be Washington. I mean, they were what? They were ranked number three, and they went up against a number five at a neutral site and beat them. So then you have Michigan, who's number two, and they beat a number sixteen that everybody in the country knows doesn't have an offense. So why are they not the number one? And Washington <laughs> is number two. <laughs> You know what I mean? Oh, my God. The Big Ten West is a dumpster fire, dude. That's like – It's been that way for years. almost might as well be fucking G5, you know, this season. Like, that's not a conference. Like, beating them, they shouldn't be ranked probably either, Iowa. They probably shouldn't have ever been in the top 25. Like, but but they never played anybody. Yeah. Yeah. They never played anyone. Yeah. And see, that's so in here, OJ, this is what I was trying to explain to Adam, too, when it was talking about this stuff, is that teams now like during the BCS, like early on when, when the college football, play, like not even playoff, but national cha- a title game actually started going on, like in the, in the 30s and 40s, you know, you legitimately had the two best teams in the nation because they were pretty much the only undefeated teams because nobody like people were playing good teams. They weren't playing these cupcake matchups and shit like that to pad their stats. And so then when they started doing that, recognizing, oh, if we stay undefeated, we have a better chance of winning a national title. So it's not about, you know, taking on the best of the best at that point. So we'll start playing some teams that we shouldn't be playing when we're scheduling our shit. And all of a sudden now you need the BCS. You need a computer ranking to be like all this stuff. Oh, that doesn't work because now everybody's undefeated. Well, you take a look at this, and I, I believe that Florida State should be in, and it just goes to prove that now four playoff team isn't enough. You know what I mean? So it's it, – it, they need them to be able to – like you need to take on tougher opponents. Like that's just kind of my thing, right? Alabama is in a tough, tough conference, but they also don't – they did it this year when they scheduled Texas. But historically, they don't ske- like schedule very tough like out-of-conference games. You know what I mean? So, like, they have an easier path, and I feel like Ohio State does that. Michigan takes that. Like, they're taking on teams that, like, Middle Tennessee State, like, they shouldn't be taking on. You know what I mean? If you want to do that, then go to the ACC and, like, take on Miami. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, they do it because – so, you. that's the trend in college football is that you all your non-con is usually your cupcake games. You put a bunch of them at the beginning of the year to tune your team up. So – you know, Iowa follows that convention, but then also the Big Ten West is a dumpster fire. And I think they, you know, before they played, uh, before they played Michigan here, I think the best they only ever played uh, Penn State is like the only good right. team they played this year. Period. At all, that's their one no. loss. Also, <laughs> they got destroyed thirty-one to nothing by Penn State, which also but- Michigan. 26 to nothing. Turns out if Iowa plays a good team, they can't score. Like, <laughs> but they were ranked 16th in the nation for some reason. But okay, so but to my point though is it, these top teams, regardless, right? Like we know Iowa is not as good as Ohio State or Michigan, right? So yeah. then, like, you know, scheduling somebody else, like an Iowa State or whatever, okay, I don't really care about that. But yeah, Iowa State, like, bad. I applaud. I, that's what I'm saying, you know, for like Iowa, I don't care if they play uh, play them. But like, if, for example, Ohio State shouldn't be because, you know, Iowa State, you know what I mean? Like, it, like I commend yeah, I mean, Florida State for taking on LSU and I commend Alabama for taking on Texas. Right. But yeah. it's crazy that the team that didn't get in challenges an SEC team, which, by the way, at the time was ranked higher than they were, beat them. And then you have the SEC challenging the Big 12, which has been a joke forever. And all of a sudden they lose to Texas. You know, oh, here comes Texas again, the resurgence of it. But it's like they were they've been bad historically for the past like five years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm looking at. I don't know, dude. <laughs> it's just it's one of those things where to me it's impossible. It's an impossible task to rank these teams without screwing somebody, or certainly not agree. finding a ranking everyone's going to agree on. You have 133 teams that you have to rank that all don't play each other. So, like, you're, there's going to be some judgment calls, and sometimes it's going to look fucked up. And the committee had a tough, cho- a cho- tough choice to make <clears throat> this season, thanks to Alabama beating Georgia. Yeah, I mean, they you know they were praying that Louisville would beat Florida State. But, <laughs> it made everything much easier. Exactly right. But yeah. it turns out Louisville blows. I mean, they got beat by Kentucky the week before. Like that was a slim hope, you know. Like, <laughs> so I don't know. <clears throat> so, uh, oh yeah, that's the thing. Oh, you know who Iowa plays in their bowl in the Citrus Bowl? They're playing number twenty-five Tennessee. Who do you think is going to win that wow. game? Tennessee's going to blow their. Tennessee's going to win. It may be a low-scoring game, but I don't think Iowa's going to score on Tennessee. Yeah, because I must say, because Iowa's got really good defense. I mean, their defense is legit. Yeah, yeah. but they're going to outscore them because it's what I'm saying. When so yeah. it's like that entire team does it like just doesn't like doesn't get points right. The offense doesn't score points, and the defense doesn't give up points. The zero yeah, this, team, really. This is an ugly score game for sure, like fifteen to yeah. six or something. You know? Yeah, it's something weird. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You'll be like, oh, I can't believe some people watched that. <laughs> well, uh, anyways, I mean, I, I really do believe that Florida State should have been in it, but if they weren't going to be in it, honestly, so it's weird. After everything that happened, my rankings, I had Washington number one. I had Michigan number two. I had Florida State number three. And then I had um then I had Alabama. Or not Alabama. I had Georgia my number four. That's what I had afterwards. I just thought that it would have been really harsh to drop Georgia out of the top four after losing one game in in, in, the in two years. Game. Yeah. In exactly. But then you're also leaving a one loss Bama out who only lost to number seven, Texas, and beat your number four, who also is the SEC champion. You see what I'm saying? Like, there is there is a real argument for keeping both of them in the top four, having Bama and Georgia in the top four. But people would scream about that. (laughs) For sure, because then it comes down to – You're leaving out FSU to put in another SEC team? (laughs) Yeah. It's actually oh, interesting too. So I was watching Feinbaum, you know, the analyst for college football on ESPN, and he said that he actually believes that the C, uh, the the CFP committee voted one way and changed something, not the top four, but he believed that mo- the majority of them voted Mich- uh, Michigan, Washington, Texas, Alabama, then Georgia, and then Florida State, but they didn't want to embarrass the ACC and put a you know, undefeated ACC champion all the way from four to six. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I really don't. After after Travis got injured, like yeah, after Jordan Travis got injured, I really do think that they like the the college football player was like, yep, I'm we're done with this with this team. You know what I mean? Yeah, I really believe that. Kimberly was like, we're done. Though, I guess you kind of got to do it in in. That's why I like the expanded playoffs. That's why I'll always be a proponent of that because I think it's impossible for the committee to get it right. Even if they're not being nefarious, they're going to make mistakes because you have to make judgment calls about two teams that didn't play anybody on the same schedule sometimes or each other. And you have to say, who's the better team? Like (laughs) that's pretty tough. Sometimes you're going to be wrong. So, you know, it, it sucks to do it that way. I don't like the whole, oh, FSU was fourth in the nation until their quarterback got hurt. And even though they didn't lose any more games, now we're going to pretend like to me, that's too much playing the games on paper. You know, you do have to try and strike a balance. Now, me personally, I don't think FSU is capable, was ever the fourth best team in the country. So I'm okay with them not being in the playoffs. But uh, the committee did. And FSU, they didn't give FSU a chance to prove that their quarterback, their backup can get it done, too. Because, I mean, it does happen. I mean, 1999 St. Louis Rams, 
Trent Green goes down the preseason. The season's over before it's begun. Kurt Warner takes over and, you know, t- leads him to the Super Bowl on en route to a Hall of Fame career. Like, you don't know what that kid sitting behind him could do. You know, the rest of the team's pretty fucking good. You got to give him a chance. That's my opinion. And, I, I mean, it's funny, too, because I did get in an argument with some dude that said that expanding the 12 was it's like is, isn't going to be enough. And they're going to want to go to 16, then 32, blah, 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 because it's always mm-hmm. going to be the argument about who the last teams come in. I'm like, yeah, but I, I understand that 100 percent. There will always be arguments. Well, take a look at it. If it would if that 12 team format that they had would have ended now. OK, Florida State's still in. Right. And, you know, they're still going to be, be up there. Georgia's in. Ohio State out of one loss is in. Oregon, who lost two games to Washington, is in. Mizzou, who's lost two games to LSU and to Georgia, they're in. Penn State, who lost to or who lost to excuse me Ohio State and lost to Michigan, they're in. Ole Miss, which lost to Alabama and lost to Georgia, they're in. And the only like and the only team that would be left out of that would be Oklahoma. But I don't believe that Oklahoma deserved to be up there. There were two lost Oklahoma that lost to uh, that lost to Kansas. Right. That was unranked. Yeah. And then yeah. what was their was other so loss? I'm trying to remember. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, yeah. But, and they beat Texas. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, OK, whatever. So because the the 12th team would be uh, the winner of the highest rated uh, other five conference, which at this point would be Liberty. So like okay, you know what I mean? Like that, it, it solves so many problems. You know what yeah, I mean? Just Liberty going from played, to twelve. I don't know if you know this or not, but Liberty played the one hundred and thirty third weakest strength of schedule in the entire country. They they literally played the easiest schedule of all yeah. Division one college football programs. <laughs> well, that's why they finished thirteen and zero. Exactly. So how are they? In? That's why people are mad they're in over SMU or or Tulane or one of them. You know. Because those those yeah. teams played good teams and probably are much better teams than Liberty, but whatever. And this is the <laughs> other Liberty thing State. too is it, it it what I believe is what's going to happen is it's going to really make this committee fo- like focus a lot more on the other five teams. You know what I mean? Like the the group five yeah. teams or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Because I hate seeing these commercials for now that the the playoff uh, matchup is set where they're like it started with 138 teams and now it's down to four. I'm like that's bullshit. Like you never start with 138 teams because all these other teams at the yeah. other five, they're never going to have a chance at getting to the CFP. So like, yeah. stop seeing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think that um, when you're trying to decide your playoff field, there's obviously a lot of considerations. If you're just looking at it from a game perspective, you want it to be a strike a balance between making sure enough teams get into where you can actually get the real champion, like the actual best team in the field. So they have a chance to improve it on the field. Right. Right. Um, right. And then also having not devaluing the regular season to where the playoffs are so large and so many teams get in that it almost doesn't matter how your regular season goes, just how you do in the playoffs, you know? Exactly. I think, uh, yeah, to me, it's, it's taking a meaning like the fact that you have to have a 500 season to get eligible for a bowl game. That's ridiculous to me, but yeah, they make money a lot on these bowl games. So, yeah, but now players opt out who even wants to watch it. Like I didn't even I, watch the wake forest Mizzou bowl game last year. Cause I would have, if a bunch of players didn't opt out, but when, mm-hmm. the, when the players don't give a shit about it, why should I? <laughs> like, right. You know exactly. That's bad. So, yeah. They need to do something to make those bowls mean something again, I think, too. Definitely. I 100% agree. Uh, speaking of that, let's actually go ahead and dive into the bowl games here um, and to take a look at some of them. Uh, or not the bowl games, but I guess at least the, the college football playoff uh, games. Uh, so the first one, again, will be number one, Michigan, uh, taking on number four, Alabama. So, again, I got some stats here, and then we'll go through a prediction here. Uh, so up to this week, Michigan is the 68th team in the nation offensively for yards per game. They are 75th for in passing per game offensively, 60th in rush per game, uh, but they are 14th in points per game. On the defensive side, though, this is where Michigan actually has a huge advantage, I feel, in Alabama and really to the other contenders. They are second in, uh, in yards allowed per game, second in passing yards allowed per game, sixth in rushing yards uh, allowed per game, 
in first in the nation in points allowed per game. Michigan, when you flip that over, is 54th in yards per game offensively, 61st in the pass, 49th in the rush, and uh, 19th in points uh, in the country. On the defensive side, they are 18th in the yards allowed, 23rd in pass defense, 33, uh, 33rd excuse me, in rush defense, and 17th in points allowed per game. So to me, it, when we look at this, it's really going to come down to Michigan's defense holding up to Alabama's offense because Michigan, statistically at least, is not that good of a offensive team. Oh, and by the way, they are 14th in the nation, as I said, in points per game. That's not that's including defensive scores added on to points total. If you take that out, they are at 67th. Just saying. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, to me, like, I think that, you know, I, it's going to come down again to that offensive line for Alabama trying to control the defensive front of Michigan. But I have Michigan winning this one by 10. I really do believe that the CFP is trying to set them up for success <laughs> uh, for whatever reason. So I, I got Michigan so, by 10. And I'm going so, with. Oh, go ahead. No, yeah, you do it, man. I was going to say, looking at this, like you were mentioning, you know, Bama's, uh, you know, their offense, which in my opinion is going to win this game, I think, for them. Uh, but obviously two teams that I really couldn't care less for. But <laughs> I think <laughs> just had to put that out there. Anyway, I, unfortunately, I do think Bama's going to win this one by probably like probably a touchdown. That's what I think. Fair enough. What, what do you got, OJ? Well. Personally, I think Michigan hasn't played anybody either. Let me uh, run down their schedule real quick. So uh, they got East Carolina, I believe, this year. Yeah, that was their first match. So East Carolina, mm-hmm. UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, Michigan State. Not a single halfway yeah. decent team. Like, seriously, those are like G5 tier teams this year, pretty much. Like, those are all bad teams. <clears throat> then, oh, then Purdue. <laughs> then finally they played Penn State. They win by a score of 24 to 15. Then they escape, luckily, against Maryland, 31 to 24. Uh, and then they beat Ohio State. So, like, they played Penn State, Ohio State. Those are the good teams they played, Right. You could also question right. Penn State and Ohio State's rankings, considering that they've also mostly played shit competition outside of each other. But anyway, the point and then they rolled Iowa, who I think is terrible, too. I really don't think Michigan's played tough competition enough this year. And Alabama's come out of the gauntlet of the SEC. I think Alabama's going to ro- win running away because. You know, the other thing is, I can't. I think we have to also mention how Michigan is a bunch of cheaters. First of all, yes, if you give a team yes, out of your you. top four, why wasn't it them? <laughs> yeah, and they should be disqualified. Exactly right. Exactly. They for games been. this yep. year, like, yeah. <laughs> put FSU in over them. Fuck it. Like, <laughs> but no, Michigan needs to keep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, the thing is, Nick Saban. He sees you coming, Jim Harbaugh. You ain't stealing his signs. He's got a team disciplined enough where they're going to mix some shit up. They're going to fuck him up. Michigan's going to lose in a landslide. Uh, I don't know. What? 31 to 7. Whoa. 24 <laughs> points. All right. Damn. All right. I think I keep track of those like I did last week. <laughs> How are they going to do without Saban's signs? Let's see it. Agree with you. I'm actually trying to look back real quick. So, okay, real quick. So, OJ, what we were keeping track of uh, for the, I'm just going to go through the 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 championship weekend. What we had. So, in the Big Ten championship, I had Michigan by ten. You had Michigan by three. Michigan obviously won by twenty six. So we were both way off. Uh, The Big Twelve championship, I had Texas (laughs) by three. You had Texas by 17. They won by 18. So you were much closer than I was. Yeah, that was the only uh, one I picked well. NCC <laughs> sure. championship, you had Florida State by 14. Uh, I had them by three. They won by 10. Uh, oh, and I then, didn't get that one. Okay. 
Yeah, we both in the SEC uh, SEC game had Georgia by 14. We lost that as Alabama won by three. Uh, yeah. And then you, then I had Oregon by 10. You had Oregon by 17. And Washington won by three. So, yeah. Anyways. Yeah, I have been. Washington impressed me. I didn't think that their line was going to be able to hang with Oregon's line ultimately, but no, I mean, credit to them. They really do have a good offensive and defensive line. Like those dudes are legit. They could, you know, so respect to Washington. Um, Speaking of Washington, that is the second game that we have here on the college playoff. Uh, So Washington versus Texas Uh, going through their stats real quick. Um, Washington's offense is 11th in yards per game, first in passing in the nation. They are 100th, though, in the rush, but they are 11 points uh, uh, per game. Defensively, they are 93rd in yards allowed per game, 122nd in pass defense, 41st in the rush, and 50th in points allowed, uh, which is kind of significant, right, for a team that's ranked uh, second in the nation. However, um, Texas is ninth in yards uh, per game offensively, ninth. 16th in the passing, 24th in rushing, 16th in uh, total points scored uh, season long. Defensively, they're 23rd, uh, 23rd in yards against, um, 95th in the pass, 4th in the rush. So huge. Their, their secondary apparently is trash and obviously have a good uh, good defensive front. They are 13th in points allowed per game. So for me, this is really going to come down to can Washington's passing game control the Texas defense? And will they be able to outpace their offense on the defensive side? If that makes sense. Like if if Washington has issues throwing the ball, the game's over. My opinion. So I have Texas here by three. I think it's going to be a close game, but I think Texas comes out on top. I've got Texas by probably a, a touchdown. I think mm. that they're going to be the clear winners here. Hmm. I don't know. I really did. Like I, I mean, I know Texas's defensive front. Well, I mean, I was very impressed by Washington's offensive line performance against Oregon. I really was. I think they're going to stand up pretty well to Texas. But Texas is a good, well-rounded team this year too. So I think it's going to be a close match for sure. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to keep it less than a touchdown. I'll say, buddy, man, it's a tough pick. I got to say. It is. I'm it, back and put this one a lot. I think I'll just go. Where where, where are they playing at? Sorry. Uh, I'm trying to remember uh where they are playing at. Uh, give me one second. I can look that up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, here we go. It is. Oh, that's not anything. Uh, I don't even know which bowl they're actually playing in. Let me double check um, that. Quick, so that's, that's what I'm gonna factor that into my. Oh, here it is. I got it. I got it now. I think. Okay. Sugar Bowl. Uh, the Sugar Bowl, which is uh, going to be New Orleans. Yep. I mean, who do you think? Which fan base do you think is gonna get out there the most? Probably. Texas. Probably the Longhorns fans. Yeah, I mean, even if it was in Washington, you're probably gonna see a lot of Texas fans. So. Yeah, dude. That's ooh. I really want to say I want to say Washington by six. Then, uh, yeah, I'll say Washington by six. Perfect. Well, we'll see, obviously, how that plays out. Um, you know, obviously, we got a while before these games uh, happen because, uh, you know, they'll be happening on the first. Um, but it's going to be interesting. I'm very, very interested to see what's going on. And maybe we'll keep uh, keep an eye on when the Bulls uh, officially get announced. Of uh, like for everybody. And then we'll just kind of take uh, some stock of those games or something. But. All right, so let's get uh, back here to some hometown uh, football here. So Mizzou is going up against Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl, uh, which is a very big matchup for Mizzou. The biggest thing, though, comes down to who's skipping this bowl, right? Because I'm starting to take a look at the names that um, Ohio State might be without, and I'm getting a little worried that this is going to be lopsided in favor of us. Uh, McCord, the quarterback, is already in the transfer portal. He's gone. Uh, Fleming, as uh, the, the, I think, is their number three. He's also in the portal, so he can't play. Uh, Tra- uh, uh, Travion uh, Henderson, which is the starting running back, he's expected to miss. Um, 
Marvin Harrison Jr., their number one playmaker and, you know, their Heisman candidate is widely expected to miss right uh, according to the people at Ohio State. That is fan based, not staff. So, you know, people around campus and stuff like that. Uh, you know, OJ, what was your opinion on all these people, you know, skipping the bowl? As you said earlier, it, you know, makes you not want to watch it compared to obviously when the players are in it. But is this something that, you know, they should have more pride in? Yeah, I mean, so the problem is this kind of has like a that's the other issue with this bowl system is like it kind of has sort of a built in nature of keeping the little guy out, you know, uh, because mm-hmm. when you get a situation like this, this is a huge opportunity for Mizzou to build respect for their program, which can feed upon itself to help them grow more and all that shit. To Ohio State, this is a letdown because they want to be in the playoffs. So like right. now their players opt out. So even if Mizzou smokes them, it's not you don't get nearly as much credit for it. So it's like how is a smaller school ever supposed to climb into the ranks of the big boys when any time we come to play them, they all just don't show up because it's not worth their time. You know what I mean? Right. Like, how are you supposed to prove you're on par with them? So that's kind of one of the issues I was thinking about with it. Uh, I don't know, because, I mean, the transfer portal's not open. Like, these guys have declared for the transfer portal, but I don't know if that necessarily means they won't play. Like, they probably won't, no. but I, I am reading a quote have from – sorry, go ahead. The they have to file the paperwork with the organization – and it gets submitted to the NCAA. So once that happens, they are the school itself is not it, it, like they are not even on their 53 man roster kind of thing. Because you have the, they 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 lose their they lose a scholarship through that school, and then it's whoever else is going to give them a scholarship in the portal at that point. Yeah. So sure. like once they once they declare and submit, which th- th- that McCord and Fleming already have, they will not be eligible to play. At least from my understanding of it. Yeah. Okay. No, fair enough. So, yeah, if they're not eligible, then, yeah, they're not going to play. Of course, the good news is Ohio State does have a lot of, uh, you know, they'll have a lot of good players filling in for these guys. That's for sure, at least. Sure. So now I think the quarterback, I heard that he declared for the transfer portal because the coach wouldn't commit to him as their starter next year. So, (laughs) You know, yeah. you could say, oh, man, we're not going to face them with their starting quarterback. But they weren't so sure they wanted him to start for him anyway. So, you know, it's not as much of a letdown, in my opinion. But <laughs> No, but it's still the thing is that and these are all the just offensive pieces. There's a few defenders that oh, yeah. are expected to miss as well. No, don't but, me I mean, like, overall, it's it sucks. But I'm saying like the quarterback, yeah. at least it's not as bad as it could be. Yeah. Well, that, that is true, too. Well, let's just go ahead and, and jump here to the predictions. I have Mizzou winning this game by 13. I think that Mizzou it takes the hold of this and then pulls away late. Uh, what do you two think uh, about the score there for this game? I'm thinking myself, Mizzou, it's going to be a closer game than that, in my opinion. I think we're going to win probably by a field goal. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. So this definitely will be a letdown game for Ohio State. Uh, they're gonna have all their transfers. <clears throat> it should be a well attended game by both sides, I think. Yeah, but Mizzou's going in pretty healthy too, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I honestly think. I also think you know I think the Big Ten was pretty a pretty shitty conference this season, with like three teams that are any good, and we don't know how good any of them really are. So, <clears throat> we'll we'll have to see what happens, but. Uh, I'm going to give Mizzou two scores on this one. Let's call it uh, the win by 14 points, 14, two touchdowns. Two, four, uh, two full ones. All right. I like that. Yeah. Well, we'll see what ends up happening, obviously. And if any more players, you know, decide that they're not going to play um, in this game by declaring or by uh, going to the portal. Um, honestly, let's get I to honestly a lo- think, I honestly think Ohio State does not see Mizzou coming, dude. I think they really think, think they're the too good to be playing us. Yeah, they think yeah. that Ohio State shouldn't have to step on the field with us. So I think it's going to be to their detriment. Agreed. 
Well, let's uh, get to the last topic I have here for the night um, and talk a little Cardinals baseball. There's not obviously too much to talk about. We haven't made any signings and stuff like that, but a lot of trade, room, uh, trade uh, rumor right now uh, going around, especially around Bro Neal. Uh, so uh, even a statement by Mo, he, uh, he stated that it would uh, be a quote unquote a surprise if a trade for uh, O'Neal didn't come through. Um, yeah. So I think it's going to be interesting, but I think obviously he it looks like he is on the trading block. This is an active, like we're receiving offers, putting out offers. But the question I have for you guys, and I'll start with you, Adam, mm-hmm. what value do you think he even has at this point? Well, he doesn't have a lot of value. And obviously, and I think it was also made, a, uh, Mo made the point that we're not going to be chasing big name pitchers, you know, and like, mm-hmm. um, uh, like Dylan uh, Cease and Glasnow and Burns and all those guys, we aren't going to chase after them, but we do have to bolster the bullpen. So I think that we can probably draw something from that. And I, I've seen some rumors that we might be, uh, you know, in talks to, to the Royals and there may be some rumblings there. I think that we're not going to get a whole hell of a lot for him because he just, you know, right now, you know, in this uh, in this market, I don't think he brings a lot of value. Unfortunately, um, mm-hmm. they're going to be looking at it because I mean I'm looking at here, you know, at his overall stats, and they're just not all that impressive, you know. And he's had some injuries as well, you know. He's had shoulder and hamstring injuries. Um, you know, he only played what 96 games in 22. Obviously, more injury issues again last year he only played 72 games 231 with a 94 ops so you know a a guy who's not performing uh at his best and is injury prone is not going to draw you a whole hell of a lot so but i think that we do need to focus though on bolstering that bullpen yeah, and I, you make up some good points, uh, especially, you know, with the injuries and stuff like that. I mean, obviously, we know he's got speed. He won a gold glove. But sure. it's the durability aspect of things, and that does definitely bring down some value, right? So I think that's a very good point. OJ, what's your, what's your thoughts here? I mean, what do you think that Bro Neal could potentially uh, get for the for the Cardinals? Well, I mean, I honestly think you could have him be like the main piece of a reliever trade, something like that, because, I mean, just look at Cody Bellinger right? this past offseason is a very mm-hmm. similar scenario to me, because just a f- couple years ago in 2021, Tyler O'Neill was worth 5.5 war. He had an MVP caliber season. Now, he's had two unhealthy years in a row where he missed a lot of time, and his numbers don't look good during those seasons. But if you get him and you can get him right, you can have an absolute stud on your hands and probably be pretty easy to find a team that's willing to take a flyer on that, that, you know, has a need in the outfield and maybe has depth elsewhere, like in the bullpen or on their pitching staff somewhere. So I do think he has value. I think he's got real value because, I mean, he really is like a five tools player when he's when he's right. You know, he can, he's fast as hell. He's good with his glove. He's not the most natural defender, but he still has enough speed to get where he needs to go. And he's sure handed, you know, like mm-hmm. the dude's a hell of a ball player when he's right. So <clears throat> that will attract somebody probably to deal with us, I think. Because there, there are teams out there that do not have outfielders that can hit at all, that are desperate. So, <laughs> For sure. Yeah, and I think the biggest question is if if O'Neal is also on the block, right, and you're going to use him as a main piece, like who else is potentially on the trading block? You know, I think that there has been lots of talks about Alec Burleson and a lot of talk mm-hmm. about Carlson as well. Carlson, but I really yeah. believe if – yeah, if you're going to move O'Neal, I think you keep Carlson just for depth purposes. But, 100%. you know, maybe Carlson and then you keep O'Neal, right? Whatever that looks like. But I think that Alec Burleson could just go. That's fine with me. And then obviously it comes to the question about the infield. You know, what about Donovan or Nolan Gorman or Tommy Edmond as well? Because we know Mason Wynn's going to probably be here next year, right? So I think that is a, a serious question as well. And, you know, I'll just kind of ask you guys, obviously, outside of that box, can you guys see anybody else on the trading block? Adam, I'll, I'll start with you on that. Uh, I mean, 
honestly, just looking at this right now, you know, I think those are the you've hit all the ones that I think mm-hmm. are the most obvious for sure. Um, you know, we're going to have to we may have to give up a little bit more than we hope for, but we really need to focus on, you know, our obviously our starting rotation, which, in my opinion, is still not where it needs to be. But it looks like I guess it, it we're settling and then obviously the bullpen. So I think that we could probably structure some deals where we might be able to help at least give a little bit of that support for the in the reliever section if we do have to start pulling some of our starting guys out especially you know when you're talking about um you know uh Lance Lent you know he's an older guy he's not going to be able to go you know uh and make quality starts on a regular I don't believe so you're going to have to get right. some good guys behind him so we may end up having a few guys that we're having to put together maybe some structured deals to be able to find some good start, you know, some good relievers for sure. And I know that there's been talks about, you know, maybe Shane Bieber as well. There's been talks, you know, as far as eyeing him up from the guardians, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting if uh, we could actually land somebody like him or not. But for me, um, I think you've hit them all. Yeah. And again, I think that you definitely bring up some good points, especially around Bieber. Um, again, he always seems to be on the trade conversation with the Cardinals. I yeah. mean, the Cardinals are high on them, but it's what can we give up for him, you know? That's so the it's going to be interesting. Yeah. That's that's yeah. definitely it for me is is how, what's it going to take to make it happen? And how serious the other part, too, and like and I hate to, you know, beat a dead horse, but at the same time is how much does Mo really want to, you know, put excel right. our team from uh, a potential division winner to an actual playoff, you know, d- go deep into the playoffs uh, type of uh, team as well, you know, that we actually have a real shot at it, you know. And right now I continue to see the fact that they're not reinvesting in the team where they need to be right now. Yeah, Not to that level, it. not to that caliber. Yeah. No. So I, I am unfortunately, I hate to be a pessimist here, but I just don't see us making some big moves here to make it happen, but we'll see. I don't think we're going to get enough for O'Neal that is going to make up for it. Well, OJ, you know, do you have anybody else that you see as a potential trading target for the Cardinals uh, besides the ones we've talked about? Well, yeah, I mean, Shane Bieber, well, Shane Bieber is intriguing to me, but I mean, Dylan Cease, Tyler Glass now, Shane Bieber, those are the ones I've heard mentioned mostly. Uh, Not sure about reliever side of things. I always question, you know, acquiring relievers because they're so, you know, volatile from year to year, but I don't know. I I'm looking at Shane Bieber's numbers right now, and some people are really not thrilled with him. But his numbers last year were good. I don't know what the I don't know what the problem with them is. Honestly, is it looks like his exit velocity against took a tick up. Uh, I bet I bet I think it's probably like his fastball slowed down or something. But anyway, he's young enough. He's only gonna be like 28. I think I think he's kind of at a low value right now. He could be an interesting target. And I do think like a Tyler O'Neill, Steven Matz kind of thing might be in there somewhere. I don't know if they would want Steve mm-hmm. Steven Matz in that trade. But like, yeah, he's kind of he's he's considered damaged goods a little bit, I think. So it might be a good buy low opportunity on him. I kind of like that suggestion. Yeah, as long as you're not getting up, you know, uh, Grisafo or anything like that, you know, I'm yeah, all in. Yeah. You know, I think if it's a be, good value. Good. Yeah. Exactly. All right, guys. Well, let's go ahead and head to our sign off here. Adam, would you do me the favor of telling the good listeners how they could communicate with us and interact with the show? Our lovely listeners can always check us out on Facebook. Uh, check us out at facebook.com slash the hometown Luthers. Once again, that's spelled L-O-U-S-E-R-S. Um, or to search in the Facebook search bar, type in the Hometown Losers. We are on there. We post 
uh, weekly, sometimes a couple times a week. Um, we'd love to, you know, have you give us a like, give us a share, and we'd love to hear from our listeners as always. Post up there uh, some feedback or any questions you have for us. Um, and also, if you're not a fan of the 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 uh, the Facebook, the Zuckerberg <laughs> media platform, uh, I don't blame you. Then go check out uh, Elon's. Uh, massive media empire over at x.com and look for us it's we're called the hometown losers over there too righty appreciate that adam oj what do you have for us for the game of the week saturday night 7 p.m blues black hawks at the united center let's spank them on their home ice there you go fuck chicago that should just be the tagline for the show yeah pretty much. Fuck chicago <laughs> Fuck chicago and uh and, and kick, i was gonna say in national kick uh blackhawks uh fans ass day too so there you go <laughs> punch red wing fans yeah. face day yeah Fuck yeah <laughs> so punch we a black the red fan. wings after that too the game after okay. that I think it's just wow. an alternating. So I was gonna say we're gonna be yeah. seeing some old, uh, some old, some old colleagues. Oh, well, no, 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 yeah. no, no, yeah. So it's gonna be, it's gonna be Red Wings, and then it's gonna be Blackhawks, and then Bruins, and then it's just gonna cycle back. There you go. There you go. Wait. Gotta have the Bruins. Yeah. It's, gonna, it's gonna be a, the it's gonna be a bloodbath. Oh, oh yeah. no, I wasn't joking. They actually have the Red Wings after the Blackhawks, but just so you know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Okay. Well, we'll have to alternate that, as you said. Yeah. <laughs> there you there go. We go. <laughs> well, at least we have some ideas going forward. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I appreciate your time. We appreciate the listeners. Um, if you want to hear anything uh, from us specific content, please let us know again on the socials that Adam uh, mentioned. Um, and we will catch you here next week on the Hometown Losers podcast. Have a great night, everybody. Hey guys, this is Adam. just want to say thanks for listening to the Hometown Losers Podcast. We'll see you next week as we continue our discussion of St. Louis sports.